Hello everybody and welcome to WTS 246. My name is Danny Murray. And I'm Brian Merrigan. How are you Danny? I am very tired this week, Brian. Very tired, but I'm doing all right, mate. I'm doing all right. Why are you tired? I don't know. I don't know. I think, actually, I do know. I do know. Uh, Q's brother lost his phone, uh, and he has an alarm set for five o'clock in the morning. He lost it in the house, like, right? Phone. And, yeah, and he has an alarm set for five o'clock in the morning to get him up to go to work. And for the last couple of nights, we've all been getting up to try and hear the alarm to find the phone. <laughs> so no much, way. So much, and, and we haven't found it. Uh, so my sleep pattern is can you, all over the And place. can you hear the alarm at five? I couldn't hear the cues maintained, she heard it. Uh, but I think she was fucking half asleep and delirious to be fair. So there's a phone lost in your house. There is, yeah. There's a lovely iPhone. If anybody has a metal detector, they want to come down to me, Gaff, <laughs> to search around for it. They're more than welcome to. So, and you can't, you can't, you don't have, you can't check my phone or like that. No? Find my iPhone and all that. Yeah. You can, right? But like, it'll only give you like the approximate location of it, which is in the gaff. We know it's in the gaff because it connects to his. He has an Apple Watch, like. So it oh, connects bro. to that and everything. Yeah. Oh man. And then and then we are like, right, let's let's ring it. It's on silent. It's not on vibrate. No, it's on silent. Like, all right, grand. You can do this thing where you can make your iPhone ping from your watch, or if you log into that find my iPhone thing, your Bluetooth has to be turned on. <laughs> so hasn't got Bluetooth turned on. So I'd say the battery's dead now anyway. And no, You'll find that when you're doing renovations in about four years' time. Oh, Star Cubes will be doing one of our deep cleans or whatever, and then it'll torn up. Fucking the, one of the dogs will have hit it in their bed or something like Ooh, that. The dogs probably swallowed it. Lupo probably hit it. I was going to say, of all of them, he's the lad I'd be looking at now, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, but that's why I'm tired, Merrill. That's why I'm tired. How are you? Right. Yeah, not too bad. All good. Yeah, good man. All right, that was nice and brief. Uh, <laughs> 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 I love it. I've got a big story, but you're like, yeah, I'm grand, mate. Move along. Um, I can't take a man. Yeah, before we move along, must uh, must say hello. So, uh, you a couple of weeks ago shared a story about an unpleasant experience you had uh, with a woman giving you a guff over the wonderful and amazing Sugsy. And uh, I sent you a message afterwards. We we uh, a lovely listener, Graham, sending on support to you, uh, Sandra, mm. who listens in every week. She says you're gorgeous, by the way. And uh, <laughs> I just wanted to see your face there, the little eyebrow raise. You were like, go on, go on, go on. Uh, yeah, now she's just sending in her support and she said that one's obviously an L wagon you're not to mind her so there you know here you go thank you yeah listeners getting in touch how are you Sandra thanks for listening um, well, we just got straight to the guest or is there you want to talk about no um... and you want to get off your chest Graham that new haircut yeah. you're looking very fresh yeah, got a cut. Went to a, I went to Grafton Barber and Docky for the first time. Oh, Grafton. Grafton Barber and Dock, Graham, is yeah. made of money, so. Yeah. I was going to to um, Nights in Dundrum, but mm. I just said, I'll try somewhere more local that's so, so a Graf- bit Grafton. more accessible. Oh, I, didn't know, I didn't even know there was a Grafton Barber and Dock. Yeah, they offered me a Pepsi Max and a Mint as well. Very nice. Mm. Pe- Pepsi Max raspberry flavour. Oh, Un, raspberry. Unreal. Raspberry? Yeah. Now, you know I prefer Pepsi to Coke anyway, and I've no, said a million times. Disgusting animal. Can you calm um, yourself down? And Pat Flynn, I will fight you. Right? I, I don't love, care. I love the cherry colas. No. no I'm not and I love that. vanilla I, Coke. Vanilla I'm all right with, but cher- I don't like cherry flavor that. Raspberry. Yeah. Nobody asked for raspberry. Beautiful. I did. Send them a letter. What other flavors do Pepsi do? I couldn't tell you, man. I think they do a lemon one, or at least they used to do a lemon one, but I haven't seen it in years. Do you ever go to Five Guys and you can get any flavour of anything? I haven't been to Five Guys in years. But do, do you know well, what I'm I was there. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very American thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's American diner. Yeah. Some, of the, some of the Burger Kings have them now. In uh, like, Do you know right? there's Burger Kings and in, in all the apple greens now, the big yeah. petrol the, the big motorway. Uh, petrol stations. They have the the, the drink can, dispenser, yo. Yeah, yeah, where you can put in fucking half vanilla, half cherry, half fucking heroin or something. I don't know, man. You know what I mean? But like, you can't buy heroin and apple green, lads. I'm saying that for legal reasons before we get a letter. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know what I mean. You can mix and match your flavors and do whatever you want. All Very kinds good. of all kinds of fananta and everything you can put into it. Coca Cola is far. The red brand is far superior than the blue brand. Absolutely. What is about not. what about Freeway Cola from the Littles or the I Aldis? Mean, I mean, that is obviously the greatest of all of them. I thought yeah. that just goes into a league with zone. Do you know what I mean? It's up there with your remember it's, the old Saint like Bernard Cola. It's like diluted Cola. It's watery. 
watery <laughs> cola, man. It's absolute piss water. <laughs> That's all it is to it. Uh, who, who are we interviewing this week? If, if you're in a boy in this ground, I suppose. We are delighted to welcome back Kieran Mulqueen, probably the fastest returning guest we've had on the podcast. Uh, and, and why not? We had a great reaction to Kieran coming on a couple of months back, and the housing situation is still a shit show. So why not get an update from the man himself, the man behind Crazy House Prices Ireland. Kieran, thanks so much for coming back on, man. Thanks very much, lads. It's, it bodes well for me that speed impresses you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's that quote from that movie? <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's getting worse. It's getting worse out there, but uh, we're doing what we can. We're fighting the fight over on Instagram and giving out of the Twitter now as well, which has gone and gone well. Like a, it's, it's an angrier place, isn't it? Oh, I don't even look at the replies. It's wild. <laughs> that place is like, I've had Twitter since like 2007 or something, whenever it came out. But like, it's just, you know, my algorithm on my personal thing is just, you know, it's fancy football and the sports <laughs> and a few other bits. Like there's not much going on. And I put my, geez, the crazy house prices one is, is mad. I said, just set it up though, because, you know, you get more reach in terms of political and, and brands and stuff like it. Sherry Fitzgerald are more likely to respond to me giving out to them on Twitter than they are on Instagram, you know, so uh, it's kind of, it's picked up pretty well over there. It's pretty big now, I think about 12,000 or something, but yeah. it gets... Do you say agents be at you much? Um, nah, not really. No, one or two. One or two give me a bit of grief, but not much. Sure, what can they do? <laughs> I'm not doing anything wrong. They're the ones, yeah. they're the ones lying, so... Um, yeah, you, you've kind of taken up the Batman role against some of the estate agents and some of the <laughs> shithousery going on there. It's uh, it's great to see, but yeah, I'm, like, what's their reaction when you call them out? Most of them, most of them just uh, most don't re- re- don't respond. I'd one, I'd one Dublin-based one. I won't mention his name. That uh, yeah, yeah. got like I don't know, got some weird fascination with me and was talking about me in all of his videos and. Give me grief. I never even spoke to the chap and just send it, sending me abusive messages and stuff. So I just blocked him. But uh, the uh, Twitter, they'll respond and they usually just go, "Oh, sorry, we'll have someone look into the ad." And it's mostly just like you know, if they put up the houses in, uh, I don't know, like someone there yesterday was in Leopardstown and they have it written down as Fox Rock, that kind of stuff. You know, oh, I saw that yeah. classic, yeah, yeah. So like millions of them, I've loads of them. And then someone messaged me saying, you know, if you put it in writing to the uh, advertising standards uh, yeah, so place. Oh, yeah. they, they they bring them they run them through the through the mail so I must start trying to do that I are any of them ever corrected when you when you yeah. it yeah a yeah. lot of the time they, they'll they'll fix it in an hour because they've been they've been found out you know that's <laughs> that's my right that stuff's just funny though you know I don't mind that yeah. like it's kind of gone on for forever in Ireland you know people always have this kind of postcode notions want to say they're from somewhere they're not like Absolutely. As as a as a person who grew up in South Cloyney, adjacent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we always used to say South Cloyney for the crowd. So I was, go- exactly, I was yeah. going to I was going to give that example of Cloyney and Ballybrack. Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> now, now your audience, Kieran. Now your audience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, to, like it's mad. Like the, when when I was young, I probably would have, especially because there was that whole thing as well. I mean, I don't know if kind of. You, you heard it as well. But it's that whole thing of like when you were getting car insurance for the first time and all, put your address in as Cloyne, your car insurance will be cheaper. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So that's what yeah. you do. Like, uh, yeah, when you're young, not when you're 40 trying to buy a house, though. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Now, now, now I like to say I, I am uh, that, you know, Cloyne is basically North Ballybrack. So people ask where like, Bono lives. I'm like, North Ballybrack. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah it's, it's cooler to be from, uh, from the. Uh, <laughs> The more righteous areas. Well, we um, we we've long disowned Bono the Pox, so I haven't, and, and I won't. He so. lives in Cloyne. He doesn't live in Ballyrack. He's not. for he's Northside though, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, Cedarwood Road. Uh, the fake Northsider. How is he? Yeah. Fake he's a Finglas. It is out around Finglas, man. Glass Nevin, is it? Glass Nevin, it is. Yeah, one of them. I don't there know. Look, go on to Daft. Go on to Daft. There's no such thing as Finglas anymore. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's all glass Nevin. Yeah, that's it. And, and there's fair, no such thing as Ballymun either. That's all glass Nevin. It's they they've just yeah, eradicated these places off the map and everything is anything that side of the M fifty is glass Nevin. Well that's it. To be honest with you, I don't know the north side at all, which speaks a lot of my ignorance. So I mean it could have been Darndale he was from and I would have been saying Fingless. Fingless. <laughs> um, well we won't talk about Bono too much, he gets enough airtime. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly. a very valid He's point. A <laughs> um 
you you have some news here on of your own in terms of uh, the property market since we last talked to you. Um, do you want to want to give us a little update on how things went down for you? Yeah, we we since since we were last chatting myself and Melissa, we went uh, sale agreed. So that's congratulations. It's uh, exciting. Yeah, we we went off kind of off piste, as they say. We we uh, kind of just got fed up with the with the estate agents. I was on I was on your mate's podcast, Dave McWilliams, and. Uh, we were kind of just talking about the state of the market and you know, there's no value. And he was like, just, just pull out. Like, you know, if you can, mm. if you're in a position where you can pull out, which we were just, just get out. Like there's no value in it. Just leave it for a while. It's like anything, you know, if something's not valuable, why are you buying it? So, and I kind of was always that way. I wasn't willing to bid more than something was worth. So I, uh, I, I was very, we were, we, I suppose were very good at not getting caught up in the, in the bidding war stuff because I'm just, I'm too scabby to pay more than what the He was calling for a buyer's protest, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like he was kind of going down the like realistically it wouldn't work because people have to have to move for whatever reasons. They're rent they're being kicked out of the rental accommodation or, or kids or whatever. So people have to move. So but like he was coming from the economic side of it where Annie was right, the only thing that will stop this is if you just stop buying and if everybody agreed that no one is buying any of these overpriced shitholes, then they won't sell. So they'll have to drop the price. And like economically and like in theory, that that is the only way we can bring the prices down immediately. But um, obviously like in, in realistically, it's just not, not possible. So we just, we just pulled out. So, but then we kind of, I just had this, I've been thinking about it for years, you know, of, of writing a kind of a little love letter of sorts um, and Kind of just explain our situation and then just banging in a lot of letter boxes around where we want to live and we did it and we got lucky so um a lot, a lot of a lot of property agents do that kind of thing don't they like i've got a thing in my door saying we're, we're yeah. looking for houses in this area kind of thing yeah that's really? quite, yeah they do that all the time you know like if you're looking to sell your house we'll sell your house blah 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 mm. but like our letter was a bit more obviously more personal because it's yeah it's sorry yeah yeah people rather than a than a company and just saying you know we're local we live here we want to we want to stay living here um i work across the road we want to live close to our family and you know if you're thinking or your neighbors are thinking as it it's worded really nicely melissa wrote it um she's nicer than i am and uh i'm, I'm gonna i've gotten lo- loads of messages people asking me you know here can you can you give us a template so I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm going sell to, the uh, template. yeah i'm gonna sell it as an nft <laughs> <laughs> Four million, please. Yeah, <laughs> I might be able to buy. I might be able to buy a second house then. Um, That's it. Yeah. So yeah, look, it's it's kind of it's gone really well. The family are amazing. It's a, a lovely family. Their mother, unfortunately, died. She's kind of mid nineties. And uh, so it's in probate. So that's kind of what's holding it up. But uh, we should be sorted in the next week or so and get the keys and all that. But the the family, like it's just for two years. If I'm spending two years on the market talking to agents, bidding, emailing, and all that, it's not it's not been an enjoyable process at all. It's been absolutely horrific. To yeah. this this process has been one of the nicest kind of things we've done. Like we get to speak to the we get to speak to the to family, like, and they're telling us their stories growing up in the house. They're telling us, you know, oh, so and so used to live over there. Do you know when you chat to like like the I think they're kind of in their fifties, maybe sixties, uh, maybe even seventies, some of them, and like it's two brothers. And do you know when you're chatting to people of that generation, you know, they just love to tell you a story about oh, when I was younger, I fell off the. Do you, do you know that kind of stuff? Yeah, that, yeah. Like, mm. that that the nuances of that is is lost when it's corporate it's emails there's you're just it's figures in an email yeah yeah sale agreed buy the house you know the personal side of it is taken out of it a lot with with sales especially now because it's a seller's market and everything is so hectic so it's actually been lovely just to get to know the people and chat to them and they're really really nice and they're delighted to give it to us then because we're local and and all that and their their mother grew up was born in the house it's 1922 oh, wow. so she was born in the house and and uh, and they were all born there, grew up there. So it's amazing. It's but it's it's an interesting one because like um we'll we'll talk about kind of some of the, the 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 horror stories that are out there in terms of what people are going through in terms of views and all that kind of stuff. But I'd say there's some people who don't even realise that you can do that, that you can try and circumnavigate right. the the quagmire of agents and you know all that kind of stuff. Like like the way I think about it is. 
the the internet like media like technology is a disruptor you know Mm. and i think what technology is doing is it's cutting out a lot of middlemen you can now order food direct from the farm to your door you know you don't have to go to supermarkets so and we see it in like the uk with they've purple bricks or whatever they've websites where people sell their own houses and realistically (laughs) like with a and i mean i'm not I'm not dragging on estate agents here or anything like I know I give them enough abuse on my page, but that's all kind of in jest, you know, and I understand like this is their job. It's not their fault. Um, But like realistically, you know, the solicitors do all of the work. So the estate agent puts up the ad and does the photos and all that. But like we just put in our letter, look, don't worry about it. We know these houses. This is where we want to live. You don't need to get, you don't need to get photos done. You don't need to do viewings. You don't need to pay an estate agent one, one and a half, two percent of the fee. And uh, we just buy it directly from you and we'll pay you what you got to value that. And the solicitors do the rest. So it's been amazing. Mm. Brilliant. Brilliant. It's, um, and, and I know, and I don't want to, to sound like that's, you know, that we're, we're turning this into a, an episode where we shit on, uh, housing agents and all that kind of thing, but, but but there are problems there, and kind of I know like I've got I've got two friends who have recently uh, bought houses. One of them recently just got the keys, and the other one is sale agreed, and they're wait it's sale agreed for the other people to get the keys to their new house or something. Right, find some, something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's yeah, some in a weird chain. thing there. Um, but like I know at the start we we're kind of having a laugh about the whole like gentrification of the addresses and whatever and like you know fair enough Valley Mon and Fingles don't exist anymore but there's some other kind of red flags there as well and when you said that you'd had two years of this kind of experience like what what are some of the red flags that people should look out for? Um, I suppose that like it's hard enough to even just get a response from an agent now mm-hmm. you know people are emailing about properties and they just don't hear anything back or or there's houses that are still up for sale that are actually sale agreed or sold but yeah. the agents leave them up to gather leads for their next house and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's it's actually it's actually difficult to get it to get a even get a get a text back, as they say. So I would say to people, just ring them. You know, they they, they won't respond to emails for the most part. They're getting hundreds in, maybe 150, 200 emails for every house they're trying to sell. So ring them and uh, or if you're emailing, follow up the email with a call and and just try and get through to them. But like like I've a whole I've a whole infographic on things to look out for when you're looking at a house and a lot of it can be done before even going to a viewing, you know, mm-hmm. I, have a, I have a checklist there of, of things to look out for. So you can kind of do your research before you, you want to waste your time. If going to a viewing or putting a bid in, you know, if where the house is, you can check the, you can check if the asking price is somewhat normal compared to what is sold recently nearby on the property price register and all that kind of stuff. So I have an infographic there that kind of runs through. It's like, runs through everything basically you need yeah. to know and sorry go on yeah no, no sorry I'm, I'm cutting across you is is there nothing that can be done in terms of because the, the, the one that i constantly see the one i constantly hear is like that the asking price is set but then you know you ring up and you're told oh well yeah we actually have a bid that's one hundred and thirty thousand above the asking price like yeah like, it's a free market as well so there's nothing that can be done about it but like it's yeah it's alarming isn't it and to be fair and i'm going to stick up for estate agents here like they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't if they put the asking price too high people are saying that's ridiculous if they put the asking price too low people are saying it's ridiculous like why are you undervaluing it why are you overvaluing it so like to be fair that's the part of it that you know the, they, they don't have that much control over at the end of the day their job is to is to get the most money for the vendor and that's it like they work for them they don't work for you who's looking for a house so they like some of them will do the old trick of putting a house up for much lower than it's worth and yeah. you, like yeah and you know well it's up, like it's if it's too good to be true it is and it, that, because statistically I know agents use this trick and they'll, they'll show like let's say you're trying to sell your house the agent will come in and say look the house is worth 450 we're going to stick it up for 395 and they'll show you a little a little kind of diagram saying statistically houses that have more bidders end up going for more money in the end so they want to price it low to get people interested you know to uh, to honey dick them as they say <laughs> and uh, get and just get loads of bidders in, and the more bidders are in, the higher it's going to go up. So uh, they get in a frenzy then, and then people, it's and especially if it's an online bidding system, people are you know it's 
it's just a click of a button at any hour of the night. Whereas if you're ringing an agent to put a bid in or emailing, you can only really do it in, in office hours. So you may have to sleep on that decision and and some you may talk to people and they might kind of talk you around, say, hold on, like, look, have a think it's about this. Yeah. yeah, you're losing your marbles here. So it's, it's, is it the higher the bid, like let's say a house is on the market for three twenty and it goes for five twenty. Is that beneficial to the estate agent? Will they get more money? Yeah, let's say they charge one percent instead of getting three thousand two hundred, they're getting five thousand two hundred. So okay, yeah. yeah, and most of them charge about one point five percent, I think. Is is there nothing that can be done then? Because and, and I, like fair enough, yeah, the, the estate agent at the end of the day, look, they're trying to get as much money for themselves as they can, so the higher the sale, the better for them. But is there nothing that can be done in terms of like the, the lads who go in? So when, like when we when we were buying our house, you know, and we were getting things done the bank sent somebody out to have a look and be like, yeah, that, that's the valuation and what they're paying there is in. That's all good. Like, yeah. How, how can something that sold a year and a half ago for 300,000, suddenly the, the guy going out to do the valuation for it being sold at like 500,000 be like, yeah, that's all in order. That's all good. Like, yeah, the valuers thing. I was only talking about this on my Instagram last week, but that's where like, I got the inspiration from. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the like again, this is an agent's fault. It's not their fault if people are willing to yeah, spend yeah. two hundred grand over the asking price. That's not like that's not it's not their issue. Now, I do think when it gets to a certain point, they should halt the bidding and say, "Look, it's gone above what it's worth." Because sometimes a bank valuer will go out and look at the house sometimes we'll go out and look at it and let's say using the 320 example and there's an offer in a 520 they'll say the bank won't lend on it because they'll say no it's not worth 500 we're not giving you a mortgage of 500 grand for this house because it's only worth 320 because they're putting themselves at risk now so how do you decide who's going to get it then well if if there's if there is no bid more and there's loads of people that say, well, if let's say that was me and the bank said, no, I can't get it. Well, then the agent will go back to the next underbidder and then chances are maybe they have more cash. So if they're putting 200 grand cash into it, well, then the bank is now only lending 300 grand. So it is within their value. So it depends on a number of things, whether the person has a big cash deposit or if it's a, an entirely cash bid, well, then there's no bank value or anyway, because it's not going through a bank. But if it is going through a bank, what I'm hearing a lot of the time, and this is from people that run valuation services in banks, one fellow messaged me saying they will go out there and they will look at the house and they'll say, what's the, what's the, what's the sale agreed price? 520? Yeah, grant. And they'll sign it off. I don't know, like, well, that is from a good source, I suppose, mm. but yeah. It, this, I suppose this, it is nuanced. This, it depends on on um, you know how much cash the person is putting into it as a deposit, uh, what is sold recently nearby. But like a lot of the time, you got to think the valuer is another agent, so it's within their interest to say, well, if that's sold for five twenty, that means the next house I go, I I go to sell, I can get it upwards towards five twenty then instead of being down at three twenty. Do you get me? Yeah. So they uh, when you're doing a, when they're doing evaluation, they need to give three comparables. They're supposed to anyway. And if they can't find them, they'll they'll, they'll just search high wide and they'll go they'll out. Them. They'll find them. But if it's if there's one right beside that's gone from five twenty, then all of a sudden this house next door that was worth three twenty is now up to five twenty. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. it's a racket. But um, do, you, do you get many uh, whistleblowers from the industry contacting you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I've had people, I had a fella contact me and he was working for a vulture fund and uh, he he just quit. He he was like, I couldn't I couldn't look at myself in the mirror in the morning. Had to, Jesus. Like, he's serious. He just gave up. Yeah, he's selling kayaks or something <laughs> now and, and he's living the dream. So, uh, yeah, you get a few of them. I can't post a lot of stuff, you know. I don't yeah, want to get sued. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, some bad stuff. So, going so on. what was he feeling the pressure of in the vulture funds? Just the way the, the whole process works. Yeah, it's just like it's it's a horrible, it's a yeah, horrible, it's a scummy. It's a whole vulture, like you know, the cuckoo it's, funds or whatever. You know, displacing first-time buyers from homes and all that kind of stuff. So, did you see um, Rory Hearn from Reboot Republic? Yeah, podcast the Hines, I think. With Hines he, and John Condry, yeah. 
Yeah, he said that they were a vulture fund and they sent him a legal letter to, tried to, sue him, yeah. to withdraw the remark that he, they said he was a vulture fund. And Rory's like, no, you're a, you're a vulture fund. Uh, yeah. That's what you are. Yeah, yeah. And Rory, Man, isn't it? Rory's amazing. I was on Reboot yeah. there a few weeks ago. He's, he's fantastic. And ah, he's brilliant. Like a man that knows what he's talking about, you know, he's a lecturer in, in social policy and economics. So like it, that and that actual that development he's talking about is on my mom and dad's road on, on Griffith Avenue. And uh, mm. the like the rents are just astronomical. And they've chopped down loads of those lovely trees. You, I know you don't know Northside, but Griffith Avenue was quite famous for for the trees along it. You know, it's it's uh, as as we as I always said when I was younger, it's the longest treed avenue in Europe. It's uh, it's a gorgeous, I, gorgeous. I know what road. you're. I know the road you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's stunning. But they've chopped down loads of the trees that have been there for hundreds of years to for the entrance to this kip, and uh, it's just it's horrible. Uh, and the building they're covering up as well, like the building behind it is the old. Um, the old college and it's like this stunning Georgian building that's like kind of up on it. It overlooks like kind of, well, it did before they built Marino and all that. It overlooked kind of, it looks straight down towards the Liffey and like, it's a stunning building and that they've just completely covered it up with these box boxes, like, you know, these horrible prison looking apartments that are three grand a month. And it's just, yeah, so it's. I think that's the development he's talking about, anyway. But they, yeah, they bought all that, and it's. Uh, but basically, every every apartment now is is built to rent because they're so expensive to build, and the only ones that yeah. can afford to build them are these big, huge trillion dollar investment funds or vulture funds. Well, that's, yeah, 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 like that's. Look, I mean, we we always try to to mention local, and we've already done it once. But I mean, Cherrywood out in the Brack, like massive amount of building going on out there. But mm. chances of anybody from the Brack actually benefiting from that. Slim to none. Yeah. You could do. Did you ever see that meme of your man? <laughs> oh, it's a video. Uh, your man, and he's in he's in Harlem or something, and he's like, so I do this every day to keep the rent down. He puts the gun out the window and fires off a few shots in the air. It's <laughs> 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 not a bad shoot. Not a bad shoot at all, man. Yeah. So just go, even just go, let off, let off a few bangers around the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not staying here. Yeah. Uh, in in terms of kind of that vulture phone piece and all that, has has the picture got better at all, or is, is it still? It's just not in the headlines as much. Um, I th- I think it's coming back in with people like I think the appetite for COVID headlines now is just gone, you know. And housing is back number one on the political agenda. They're not. They haven't gone anywhere. They're 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 even worse if anything. So, what's happening actually? is they're they're buying a lot of one-off houses as well like second second-hand houses so they're called or whatever but it surely could be fifth or sixth hand at this stage but you know older houses um th- that they used to not buy up they were kind of just buying up estates but now they're buying up kind of older houses so like the houses i'm bidding on that's who you're up against and you can't compete against them you know they're, they're willing to go in uh like 50, 60 grand over asking straight away and get it off the market. But if you go in at 70, they'll go in at 80 and they just keep going up. They've, they've bottomless, bottomless cash reserves yeah. and then they're a cash buyer as well. So as a seller, you're thinking, right, well, will I sell it to this, this chap who, you know, the mortgage, the, the bank might say, no way he's after getting COVID. So he can't draw down and uh, we'll just give it to the cash buyer because there's just, there's no risk if they sell to a cash buyer, it's, it's done and dusted. Whereas there's always a risk when you're selling to somebody who's looking for a mortgage and even, even a first time buyer and who only needs 10% and you know, you may have everything in place, but banks are so strict now and, and like they aren't giving people, people can't draw down if they're on maternity leave, if they've had COVID and all If you're on maternity leave, you can't draw down. Yeah, like if you're on maternity leave and it's not being topped up by your employer to, to get up to your usual wage, like people on maternity leave can't draw down on their mortgage. So it's just COVID has really just destroyed a lot of the whole process and it's really worked. It's kind of worked in favor for cash buyers or investors mm. because they don't need to worry about banks. And then you can't really blame people for selling to a cash buyer because you know like people people want to, they need as much money as they can get to buy their next place because the price has gone up on that as well so it's just a bit of a shit show it's, yeah shit show is, is, is a good way of putting it man and in terms of kind of political action on it and whatever and i know you've kind of crossed paths with one or two uh politicians recently enough what like 
are, are they just you know throwing words out there with very little action or um it's a tough one you know it is tough because i'm always giving out about politicians you know i'm always moaning about them because i don't think they're doing enough and i do think there are some some solutions there some very simple ones but I, but then I'm also not naive. I understand things are more complicated than than I think they are. You know, I don't know how the ins and outs of how things work. But like I was listening to um, Daryl O'Brien he on with with the lads on on reboot or on tour de shack with um, Tony and Martin on that, mm-hmm. and they were they were interviewing Daryl O'Brien. And like when you hear Daryl O'Brien talk, like it's hard to deny that he knows what he's talking about, and you know. He sounds really passionate and he wants to solve these issues. But, I mean, he's nearly, well, he's over, is it two years now he's in and things have gotten a lot Just worse. Over a year. So. Just over a year, yeah. Well, when was it? It was before COVID, wasn't it? So, uh, No, they got they only they only formed the government last July. Yeah, I was going to oh, say, the, the, okay. the, the yeah. election was in February the election March, was in but February. the government... Yeah, sorry, about, yeah. It took nearly fucking six months to form or something, the mad things. I agree with you in in relation to that because I did see him on Ireland AM um, with Alan Hughes and another presenter and he is very convincing in his Mm. rhetoric but then you just look to the actions and you don't really see the actions. Um, He also tried to... Is it true he also tried to write a book but some lawyers were doing fact checking and, and, and some of the facts in it were actually inaccurate. So they couldn't go out to print on his book on housing. I didn't know. So, yeah. So never I heard mean, that before. I, mean, I don't know, man. Um, so, I mean, it's very hard to be optimistic about it when a year in charge and speaks a good, uh, yeah. speaks good, but there's, there's feck all action. Yeah, but then like, it is, like even where it's gone through the probate process now for the House of Bind, everything in Ireland just takes forever when it comes to the civil service. Like everything takes forever. So, like part, like I literally, I go through waves. Some days I'm like, no, fuck them, they don't know what they're doing. And then some days I'm kind of like, I look like he's maybe he is trying his best, you know. <laughs> but it's uh, he, he's he's announcing his. Um, housing for all thing which was supposed to be announced this month but it's pushed to september because a few things that need to change and you know they do like kind of kite flying exercises they leak little bits of info here and there beforehand and the latest one is you know they'll be given stamp duty incentives to uh, empty nesters which is a horrible phrase uh to uh, basically to old people trying to kick them out of gas yeah. um that kind of thing didn't really that's go a real well. tory thing though isn't it didn't the tories do that in england yeah like I don't know if they need an exemption on the stamp duty. Like they're probably making, you know, they probably bought their guy for two grand, <laughs> you know? So it's a, it's a weird one. And then, you know, talking about giving 500 million to developers is absolutely insane. So uh, they do these kind of kite flying exercises to see what the reaction is before they release the thing. And the shared equity scheme hopefully isn't in it. That, that's been absolutely debunked by every professional, every expert in the industry. So it's it's hard. It is hard to know, like, are they actually doing their best? I honestly don't see how they haven't tackled vacant housing yet. And people are probably listening to this going, does this fella ever talk about anything other than empty gas? And I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what's the hold up with that, though? But I don't know, like, I don't get it. Like, they could do that tomorrow. Just put a tax on them. Use or lose it. Good luck. If, if yeah. you're sitting on a house that's worth 500 grand that you inherited 40 years ago and it's been lying derelict since then, renovate it or sell it. So, like, they're doing it in, in Europe, whether it's Barcelona, Germany, or something like that are doing it. They're, they're, they're bringing it in. They're just like, no, look, we can't have dereliction. Like, go to Denmark, like, in Denmark and Copenhagen and... There's there's no dereliction in the in the city centre because it's so in demand to live to want to live near the city, um, that it just it doesn't get a chance to go derelict because it's being snapped up by people because they have to sell it. Whereas walk around town and look up, people rarely look up. We're always looking down on our phone, but look up, what going around town and look at all the empty units above shops. Look at all the vacant entire buildings just mm. lying there, just to rack and ruin. Um, 
there's so many, so many empty and vacant homes all around the city, in the suburbs, in the states. They're everywhere. They reckon there's 200,000. That's massive. Well, we, we, we've kind of, and I, I, I know, kind of, I think you might have talked to Dave McWilliams about this when you were on his podcast, and I think he talked to us about it when he was on this podcast. Like, we're not, we, we've kind of abandoned the whole idea of like living above a shop or living on a main street and that kind of thing. It's, our, our European friends are, are, are much, much better at that kind of thing. You know, if you go to Paris or you go to wherever, every single room above a shop or above a cafe or above a bakery is occupied. But here, you just don't see it anymore. You just don't see those kind of things. Like, Yeah, and they blame the regulations. They blame red tape. And, you know, access is a major thing and fire regulations and all of that. So, mm. but I mean, there's, the way I look at it is there are people there that are far more intelligent than I am. Okay, that are getting paid millions and millions to advise the politicians, to advise TDs. And I was on Claire Byrne yesterday with Philip Boucher Hayes, and I said, mm. uh, and I was like, my job, I'm a teacher, so like I, I'm here to educate children. I shouldn't have to educate government, but mm. like that's what their advisors are there for. And it's not as if we have to reinvent the wheel. We just need to look at what other countries are doing well and copy it. It's it's not it's not new. Like do you know what I mean? We don't need to be totally inventive and come up with a brand new system just copy what vienna are doing copy what they're doing in denmark finland will have home will eradicate homeless in the next 18 months or something so mm. it's it's like the, the, the there's no will though there's no political will and that's exactly, what we're yeah. missing um, yeah. they would rather come up with um they'd rather come up with proposals where they see property developers take the brunt of it in terms of profit and stuff like that. Because if you look at the, the Fianna Fáil housing schemes in previous deco- decades gone by, it was up to the county councils to build the houses. They would hire builders and they would hire architects and stuff to, 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 to design estates. But that doesn't happen anymore. No council, no county council are building houses. It's all property developers and with the stipulation that a percentage goes to local county council, where yeah. it was the other way around and they just built council estates in mm. the 50s and the 60s. And they were brilliant. They had character. They had everything. And uh, yeah. if, uh, like, to me, on the outside looking in, how come they can't go back to that way of dealing with things? I'm with you. I totally agree. It's look at Marino and look at Crumlin, like unbelievable areas, so well designed. Uh, the access in and out of roads and all, they're spectacular. And they're like I know there's not the space within the city, but there's thousands and thousands of, of hectares of land all within the M50 that is available. And that is NAMA owned. They own the land. So like if you're a developer, what developers are doing is basically buying the land and they're paying builders to do a bit of work. They sell off and they make a lot of profit. So like why don't they just become the developer and mm. hire the builders, build the things, and then do it for profit. So I, I'm a big believer in doing mixed development. So you don't create these ghettos again of, of Ballymun, you know, where it's not just towers and you're piling a load of social housing in there. Do mixed development. Do part uh, fully social. Do part affordable. And then do part um, private. So, so you'll have doctors living alongside single parents. You'll have teachers living alongside artists and you know, you've got a diverse group of people then that are that are happy to live there and are paying what they can afford. And that's the main thing. Just paying what you can afford. Absolutely. Nobody is over leveraging. And then you don't get this kind of ghettoization of an area. You don't get a stigma. Um, you don't get the antisocial behavior. You get a nice diverse crowd and, and uh, people of all different colors people of all different religions people of all different beliefs and that's the way society should be you know i teach and educate together school so i'm really big on this and, and on diversity and and it's it's i don't know why why they don't do it uh because they w- w- like you said there when fina fall did all that building like we did that when the country was on its knees we had no yeah. with no money whereas now we literally have access to free money from the ecb at zero percent interest rates yeah. It doesn't cost us anything. Just buy it. Just take a loan, build it. And then if and they could even do it to make a little bit of profit. And then any bit of profit that gets made gets put into the next scheme in yeah. the next area. It's it's makes a no brainer, sense. I think. And it if makes they, no like sense I said, if they could do it in the fifties, they can do it in two thousand and twenty. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, like we threw someone on the moon in the 60s, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. I was with a Commodore 64. Yeah, they can't build a few gaffs. I don't know. It's mad. It is a pain in the hole, though, isn't it? Like for mm. people, say, even like myself, 36, still living at home, still living out the back in an extension. Like there is no prosperity to, as a single man, to buy a house like. You know, the only prosperity is that oh, I'll have to find uh, a partner. Yeah. Um, hopefully fall in love and hopefully be in the position to buy a house together. But there, that's all buts and ifs. Like, mm. I've, I'm, I'm in a good paid job that should be able to buy a house in my area. But it's is that a, a woman in the land who could tame you, Graham? Absolutely not. That's my point. That's my point. I just, I'm a single man. I should be able to be in the position to buy an apartment or buy a bungalow or buy somewhere that suits my needs where there's not, there's no, there's there's nothing like. The problem is, and I'm always saying this, like single people are like, it's bad for me, but it's single people have been destroyed with, with this housing policy and they literally don't stand a chance, as you said. And it shouldn't be a case where you have to be, conforming to social norms of you know a man and a woman and a couple of kids to to be able to buy a house you know it's ridiculous that's not the way society is now you know so it's uh it's it just plays very much into the old it's the type of people who vote for Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil to be honest they they you know they just they're not of that generation where people can be in any way diverse and have any other sort of beliefs or gender or sexual preference you know it's very much you know now it's a man and a woman you buy a house you get married you buy a house you have kids so it's and single people are totally destroyed by this and it got again it ties into they the reason why they allow these investment funds to buy up all one and two bed apartments is because they don't see them as family homes so the government do not see a one bed apartment as a family home because they only see a family as a man and a woman and kids, you know, they, that's, that I think comes down to the, to the bones of it with them. Yeah. And there's, there's a weird kind of, and I, I, I don't know, uh, I could probably do with your Melissa here to help me word this because I'm going to make an arse of this, but there's a weird kind of link and a weird kind of pattern in this that kind of plays out in my head. I, I was listening to uh, your, your interview with Philip Belcher Hayes on the Clareborn show and uh, kind of you, you, you jokingly kind of said that, you know, you're, you're in your mid-30s now and, you know, people still refer to you as a young lad. But, like, when your parents were your age now, they were on their third gaff and they'd had a, a gang of kids and all that kind of thing. And we're, I'm very conscious, like, you know, we're not exactly the most diverse group on this podcast at the moment. We're three white lads in our mid-30s, you know. But there's, there's a problem in Ireland that politicians keep talking about and it's this whole thing of we have an aging population where the pension is going to be absolutely goosed in a few years. We're all going to have to work for longer, all this kind of stuff. But it's it's all cyclical, I think, because like if if the housing situation wasn't the way it was, in my head at least, and I'm probably talking out my whole, but if the housing situation wasn't the way it was, people would be able to get out from underneath their parents' roofs earlier, which would allow them to go and you know do things sooner, i.e. if people wanted to have a family... They could, and I think that's what was happening in 60s, 70s, 80s. Like, our parents' generation were able to get out from under their parents' roofs because the, the housing stock was there. They were able to get on with their lives. They were able to have a family if they wanted to and all that kind of thing. But mm. now, like, we, we're all in our 30s. I don't have kids. Meryl, you don't have kids. You, you don't have kids yet either, uh, Kieran. Like, <laughs> there's a reason we have an aging population. I think this all feeds into it. I don't know if I'm making sense there. I think I'm kind yeah. of bringing together what I'm trying to say but like people have had to push on their their milestones in life you know yeah and we're and all having kids later kind of thing and that causes the aging population to go up and open up, and up that and you can't people can't afford to have seven eight kids now yeah you yeah. just can't uh so and they don't want to either well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know you'd no option back a couple of generations yeah, there was no internet there was no twitter to get angry at back then <laughs> yeah. you, you get to 18 and you're kicked out that's it you're on your own but you would find your own but if they had places to find you could find somewhere to live there's just there is nowhere and we're looking at massive emigration again and 
it's just 10 years after the last time it's happening again, where all of the young people who all of our taxpayers' money has educated them up to a very high level in college, and now they're just going to take all that talent and they're gone. They're gone to somewhere where that's going to appreciate them, somewhere that's going to treat them as, as a human, somewhere that's going to pay them better. Uh, like, if you're a nurse, if you're 21, you're after going to college, you're a nurse, you're, you're graduating from college, you've just done your placements during the middle of COVID, you're working 24-hour shifts in a hospital for no money, for free. And at the end of all of that, they give you a few claps on the door at eight o'clock and then away you go. Why would you stay here? I'd be gone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'd be absolutely furious if I was a nurse and I'd been treated that way by, by government and they didn't even pay them what they give them a couple of 20 quid a week or something ridiculous something and stupid it was enough to cover most yeah. fair like, like it's actually it was actually it was insulting you're better off just not giving them anything so why why would you say why wouldn't you go off to london or go off to australia and get paid properly or mm. and and have a better quality of life like you're in the sun you've loads of other irish people over there probably your age because half the half the population are going to emigrate again so it's just it's very short-sighted from the government i mean they're I know they work off votes and my thing is, and what I've been trying to explain to people, because people ask me all the time, what can they do? And what I say all the time is talk to all the relatives, talk to your mm. parents, talk to your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, if you're lucky enough to have them around, if you're your parents, if you're lucky enough to have them around and talk to them and just explain. And if you can't find the words to express how bad the situation is for us, and we're not young, we're mid thirties. I've a few go-tos. First one would be send them on the podcast that that blind boy did with Rory Hearn. It's a it's an hour and twenty minutes long. Get them to play it on one point five times speed if they if they want to listen to it a little bit quicker. But listen to that because it kind of summarizes everything really, really well. It explains investor funds, it explains the societal impacts it has on people being infanticized and the blind boy put it as you know, you cannot, you cannot grow up when you're in your thirties in your ma's box room. She's washing your jocks. Yeah. So the, the king, the king of woke's ac- accent at one point five is something that I have to check out. Actually, in fairness, blind boy speaking at one point five. I can only imagine what that sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I listen to everything at one point five. That's because you're too busy. Yeah, yeah well, there aren't enough hours yeah. in the day for you. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm on my holidays now, so I'm all right and getting it all in. But uh, <laughs> so that'd be the first one. So if you can't express it to to older generations, send them on that podcast and just sit there and fucking force them to listen to it. And then the other thing is, the thing you hear all the time from older generations is, sure, it was tough for us all. We all had to sacrifice. You know, we all had to make sacrifices. We didn't go on holidays, and you know. Uh, and, and it was really hard and our interest rates were 15% and blah, blah, blah. And the answer to that one is, right, how much you buy your house for? All right. Yeah. And how many times, how many multiples of your salary was that house? And was it a, a single salary? Yeah, yeah, usually. So it's usually a single income and it's usually one, two or three times a single income, maybe twice uh, if two of them were working. But for the most part, uh, people of my parents' age anyway, it was a single income and then explain to them, okay, the exact same house that you're talking about, let's say next door, it would cost me 10, 12, 15 times a single income. So think of it that way. When you were buying your house, instead of having to pay twice what you were earning a year, you had to pay 15 times what you were earning a year. And kind of put it in that way and they're like, okay. And then the other thing is, just say to them, right, pretend you have to try buy a house tomorrow, come back to me. Yeah. <laughs> Let me know, yeah. can you find anything? Yeah. You know, yeah, and they won't. So the first thing is just try and get them to listen to that podcast because they can word it a lot better than I. And Rory is so uh, kind of knowledgeable on everything because that's his job, I suppose. And Blind Boy is just uh, magnificent at you know asking questions that we're all thinking, but we don't really know how to ask it. You know, yeah, putting it yeah. into the right words. And uh, it's just funny though because it, I know he, he uses the c word in it a few times. So it's, when you're giving it to older people, they're like, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of curses in it, but it's a, it's a phenomenal podcast and it was only in June, but I think it'll be timeless until this thing is, is sorted out. So I'm going to share it all the time on my, on my page. And, and Will it be sorted out though? Well, good question. Um, I like, don't... What we need, is, as we already said, is political will, but 
are you, as an observer of, of this industry, are you confident, say, in a next government? Would you be confident, say, in, in Owen O'Brien taking the book of Minister for Housing with his plans? Yeah, I think he's fantastic when it comes to housing. Uh, I'm not really, I don't have like a party that I favour. Um, there's aspects of every party that I dislike and there's aspects of every party that I do I do like. And I think most people are kind of like that. So I suppose if I was to position myself, I'd probably be kind of a bit more left, centre left leaning or maybe left. And I do think, I always think, wouldn't it be amazing if we could do like a kind of, and all stars of politicians, and you could say on the left, yeah. I just say, look, Ono Brain is phenomenal at housing, and he obviously knows more about housing than all of the rest of them. He's literally written books on housing, so we stick him in housing, and then you might say, okay, well, so and so knows everything about sport. We'll make them the minister of sport. So and so knows everything about um, education or disabilities or anything that's like you know like super important in society and put the best person in there for that position but that's never going to happen with party politics so uh Irish politics just cannot reach across the divide they can't the the only time they'll reach across the aisle is to save their own skin and to save their own seat evident by the current coalition yeah yeah Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I do think Owen would be great. I think Keno Callahan would be very good as Minister for Housing as well. And yeah. to be fair, probably Daryl O'Brien would be good if he was in a better party, you know. So it's it's a tough one. Yeah, it's hard. I've no allegiances to any to any um, parties. And, and uh, I, I think the only thing that's going to work in terms of getting housing, we need to get house prices down. But when you say yeah. that to... The Fianna, Gaul, the Fianna Gael and the Fianna Fáil voting base, they, they shit themselves. They're like, what? You want house prices to go down? You're mad. But you need to try explain to them, your, your kids won't be able to live here. Your grandkids mm. won't be able to live here. I've mates in my, I've mates in their mid to late 30s living at home because they can't afford to buy a house and they still vote for Fianna Gael. And it's like, <laughs> you realise why you're living at home. Like, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know... I, I don't see them changing, that's the thing. So it's going to take a change of government, really, to make yeah. a difference. And I think the, the main issue I think we're having at the moment is obviously a chokehold on supply because the one, they're not building anything, and two, a lot of the supply is being bought up by investment funds. So the only threat to investment funds, and they've said this themselves, is government policy, if there's a change in government policy. And they have said this themselves at their annual general meeting or whatever of your Hines, your Kennedy Wilsons, all these people. So I think if they got wind that there's a change of government and government policy is going to change and we're going to be taxed to the hilt, they'll set up. And then all of a sudden you wake up on a Monday morning and you've 240,000 houses on the market for sale, you know, and then all of a sudden, hey, presto, prices go down. In what world do investment funds become priority over your people? Yeah, that's that's the it's thing. Sick though, it's just like sickening. Like, I think they just the another issue with politics is a lot of them, you know, get into politics for the wrong reason, and they get into them because of the jobs they'll get after it. They'll keep their TD pension, but they'll be maybe on a lobby group, and like there's a lot of former politicians who are now lobbyists and it, our former housing minister. Yeah, yeah great uh, example of that. And, my, and he's in my he was in my uh, my electoral area. Oh Murphy, uh, he was he was a TD constituency. Um, yeah, constituency, yeah, Dublin Eight. But um, he, like, that's an issue. You know, they've kind of been, they've they've been. I'm not going to say bought because I don't think any of them are taking money or anything. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. But like, they're they are writing the policy. You know, the lobby groups that are writing the government policy. Really, when you look at it, so it's just they've gotten into bed with them and they just. You know, it's like they've been chained to the bed and they won't let them leave. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, uh, there's an image for you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I could do without it. Um, <laughs> we're, we're nearly out of time with you, man, and we've barely scratched the surface as always, but it's such a broad topic, I suppose, it's impossible to, to do it without going uh, in in kind of more detail, which is something people can do if they uh, jump onto your page and go to your Patreon. Now that you've gone sale agreed and fingers crossed everything goes through and you have the keys in your hand fairly soon uh, would people still be alright to, to 
look for you for advice and everything else or what's going to happen to the page? No, I'm actually, I'm running for election with Fina Gale and uh, <laughs> I'm doing everything I can to get prices up now. I'm going to sell up next year for, for double what we paid. Uh, ah, yeah, of course. Now, I, if anything, I said this, I said this yesterday, actually, if anything, um, it'll kind of make me even more dogged now on the page to try and help in any way I can to bring about a little bit of change because now I don't need to worry about pissing off state agents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, so the, the Patreon and everything is going to keep ticking over as well. And yeah, The Patreon is great, man. I love it. The people over there are amazing. And uh, we do, I do good little Q and A's every week with them. And, and uh, it's just a really nice, nice group of people. They're all really kind and a lot of nice messages and, and, and are they all on the hell, are they all trying to buy as well or not really some people are just you know they just throw a few quid a month just to say thanks there's loads of people that are on the page that have no interest in buying they just it's an irish thing isn't it we're a bit obsessed with property so um uh and I property think and, kind of, and charts you make a great graphic oh man you want to see this mortgage one i'm doing it's taking me a week is, the, is this the interest rates oh my god i'm raging i even said yes and now i'm thinking hold on i'm not putting it like why am i putting this up for free i'm doing all the banks advertising for them for free i need to be charging them um it's taking me forever it's done now i'll post probably post it tomorrow or something i'm just yeah. kind of like i don't even want to look at the percentage again Jesus but yeah the, the people like i suppose they like the, the kind of the, the bit of crack in it as well, you know, taking the piss a little bit and it's not all serious. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to make a, li- a little bit less doom gloom as well, because it is a lot yeah, of moaning yeah, yeah. on my part. And there's nothing I can do about that because it's, everything is a negative situation when it comes to housing, but like there's not many good stories. So, but I am doing a thing every, I'm trying to do it every week where I'll put a little question box up and people can send in their good news stories and I'll share those. And that really helps people. I think, you know, we get a lot of stories in where, you know, somebody might say, just gone sale agreed as a single buyer under asking price. And then Merrill might see that and think, oh, do you know what, you know, there's hope there, you know, people can do it. And, and it's not, you know, it's not, it, it is possible for people you know, if they can see that, you see that little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. I know it's hard when you're in it. And this is a bit like, you know, now I'm sale agreed and coming out saying, no, it's grand. You'll be grand. But it's, it's, uh, <laughs> we got there. You know, it's, I know I had to take drastic measures to get there, but it, you know, it's, it can happen and it is doable and you, you never know, something might just come up and you might get lucky and I don't know, I think you make your own luck and if you keep putting good, good karma out there, geez, this is getting a bit, we're going you're back going, to that yeah, cult, Meryl. Yeah, you're getting a bit like the secret here, aren't you? <laughs> the secret, yeah. Visualize your house, yeah. you will walk into it. No, but you know, I feel, I don't, I don't know how we got this house, so I'm like, maybe it's good karma I put out there, because I'm all, I was getting hundreds of messages a week, people go, oh, thanks so much, you helped me go save mine. Maybe I'm, I'm uh, that's a bit uh, hyperbole, but like a few messages a week, people saying, thanks so much for all your tips, I can't say the reading, I'm like, oh yeah, nice one, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still looking so uh, uh, eventually we got there but you know the good news stories do help people kind of yeah. see okay you know it's possible these aren't investment funds messaging me saying oh yeah I bought a house it's, uh, it's real people so you know uh, I'm always there for people as well if they need any, any advice or any help lovely lovely and one last thing before we let you go out in are you getting a second beehive or what are you doing we have two. We've two on the roof. Oh, you got a second one already? Yeah, they put two in actually instead of one. We, I thought it was going to be one, but we got two. And uh, at the start, I think there's about 40,000, 20,000 bees in each one. So 40,000 oh, total now. But now I think there's like upwards of 200,000 in between the two eyes now. He's put like a... What? Yeah, he's put It's amazing and terrifying to me at the same time. Man. It's unreal. Now, to be fair, I haven't... He it was, We have a beekeeper that looks after it all. His name's Anthony. He's a legend. He's from... Um, He's from the flats down the road from the school and the Irish times did a great piece on him with a video and all. And it's, it's part of this thing called the inner city beekeeping project with, uh, mm. it's called Robert Emmett and uh, the digital hub there in Dublin eight. And they funded all the, the hives and I think they pay him, you know, and he goes around, looks after all the hives. He's about 25 hives, I think around Dublin eight. So two Jesus. of them are in our school and he just comes in and, and up he goes on the roof and whips out. I bought him a nice little ladder, a little, uh, little kind of retractable ladder telescope telescope ladder i think it's called and he pops up on the roof so i haven't been able to get up i'm, I'm up i've been up like on the roof but not like hands-on in the hive because i haven't had a suit on yet so uh, next time he's coming i'm gonna pop a suit on i'll get a few photos and stick them up they're mad jokes they're amazing deadly yeah yeah I, like 
I'm terrified of bees, wasps, all that kind of antler buzzes. I crap me bags to be honest with you, but at the same time, like obviously they're, they're deadly. Like uh, we need the bees, though. I was gonna say that's it. Yeah, like bees I'll, won't sting you. Oh, Jesus, lads, we could do another podcast on this, but bees won't sting yeah. you. That's wasps, mice. They're a bit more. Wasps aggressive. are they're little fucking harbingers of doom, and I'll happily of an electric tennis racket that will happily kill them. With. But a bee, I'll always leave a window open and just leave the room until they've done their bit and got out. Like. Who's sponsoring this podcast? You better not be someone environmentally conscious. <laughs> no, we've no one anymore. No one, yeah. We had a weed whacker. Yeah, <laughs> we had, we had, a, we had, we had a, a clean ball situation going on for a few weeks. But uh, yeah, yeah we, I, people asked me about my cubes for, uh, for a few weeks after the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, this would have been a great opportunity to plug that, but uh, we're not in bed with them anymore. So. Uh, Plug yeah. yourselves, lads. Plug yeah, exactly. your own. This is it. This is it. Um, but yeah, that do do put up more stuff about the bees than you can, man. Because uh, like it's mad, right? I'm as a generally terrified with them, but at the same time, I love this whole kind of urban thing that's going on, where more and more we're seeing kind of beehives on roofs and all that kind of stuff. And the fact that you're just seeing average kind of people donning those mad bee suits and all that kind of stuff. I'm dying for the video to happen though, where a bee gets inside the suit and sheer panic. Comes <laughs> it's a uh, no. it, it they do get in and I, when I when I was there the last time with Anthony the beekeeper one was in and beekeepers had like I suppose they're doing it so long they're they they're just able to kind of relax and mm. there was a bee like a, a bee just like flying all around the oh, space no. and he was so calm he was like a ninja and he just very calmly. He walks, so he used to walk away from the hive and he just very calmly unzips his thing, opens it and the bee flies out. Didn't sting him. And I was like, man, I would have, I'd have fallen off the roof. I'd be I dead. Would've, I would have I ran and jumped and just hoped for the best, to be honest. I'd have been like, no, I'm done. I can't. Yeah, but, uh, he's amazing. That's all. Love it, man. Love it. Um, Kieran, thanks again for coming on and uh, hopefully when we talk to you again in the future, things are looking up for everyone and uh, vulture phones have been confined to the past Bees are flourishing everywhere. Merrow has a gaff of his own. <laughs> and, you know, the world's a better place. Lovely stuff. N- nice way to leave it. Thanks, boys. I enjoyed it. Lovely, Kieran. Uh, cheers, Kieran, man. All the Thank best. Thank you. He's, he's got a good head and his shoulders, is Kieran, doesn't he? Yeah, he's a great head and shoulders. Lovely to talk to. He's a lovely gentleman. He is. He talks a lot of sense. And as he says, he, he does his research. So, you know, what he's saying is accurate. And then he is willing to talk to two chances like myself and yourself goes, no no research whatsoever and we're just like here did I hear this once is that a thing yeah <laughs> like my Darrell O'Brien thing I'm doubting myself because you two didn't hear of it so I if I was know. wrong on that people apologies but I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that he tried to publish a book and I couldn't get the green light so I'm if, sure if it's wrong I apologise if I'm right I told you so um, I you're, did hedging, wanna, you're hedging your bets there Graham I like that hedging my bets um, the bee talk got me wanting some honey on toast. Honey on toast? Yeah, I used to live in Australia. Oh, man. Yeah, massive. Yeah. yeah White I'm, toast I'm, and a bit of honey. Would you butter that as well or no? Ah, no, 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 no. Just a honey. Just a, so it's basically you're doing a jam on toast kind of situation. That sweetness with a bit of yeah, carbohydrates. Yeah. Honey is lovely. Do you like honey? Love honey. I put honey in my tea rather than sugar. Are you serious? Mm, yeah, I never yeah, knew yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. What other hot beverages do you drink? Coffee, coffee and tea. No, mm. I wouldn't have a huge amount. Like I, I now if I was having coffee, I'd only have one coffee a day, and a cup. Of, I might have a cup of tea in the evening to settle myself. Pretty good. Yeah. I don't drink a hot beverage. If I'm picking, uh, I would probably pick a hot chocolate. I don't drink hot chocolate. Love them. No, no. Well, I haven't had one. God knows how long, but still. I've um, no time for hot chocolate because I'm not a seven-year-old girl, Graham. <laughs> okay, Dan, where can anyone listen to us? <laughs> um, I'm sure some sort of gender people will get on to me about that comment. Um, people can listen to us anywhere and everywhere that you can find a podcast, including the wonderful Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, Podcast Republic, Podcast Addict, as I said, anywhere and everywhere, all you got to do is put in the letters WTSPOD and me and Mero will greet you with our big smiley cartoon heads. You can also go mm-hmm. to WTSPod.com. Perfect. And that's it for this week. It is. Yeah, it is indeed. Yeah, make sure you check out all the social medias. Care on social media, of course. Crazy House Prices uh, on Instagram and on Twitter. 
if you're not already following them, definitely do check it out. Even if you're not in the, even if you're not trying to buy a gaff or whatever, there's just there's entertainment there to be had, and also yeah. stuff to make you realise fuck me, the place is mental at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, he's at American yeah. Mania. I'm at Dan Joe Murray. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a quick plug as well for uh, what has now become Graham a passion of mine. I didn't. Th- we're gonna talk. I'll talk about this property actually next week, maybe. What is it? We we talked about this a while ago, myself and yourself. I have got mad into playing the PlayStation lately. I think right. it's COVID, and I've got into competitive esports. And I'm calling it esports. I'm not just playing online games, Graham. Right, we'll talk about it again. Yeah, shout that's out, a preview. Shout out League of Ireland F1. I'm terrible. The lads are much better than I am. But yeah, I'm, we'll talk about it next week. It's mental, Graham. The world right. of online gaming is crazy, and I think we need to talk about it. Well, get someone on for next week, and we can talk about it. I think we have some deals for next week. But the weekend, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, we're rambling. We're anyway, Clear full, full hearts. Can't lose. Too sweet. sweet.